0: Hey, what's up guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Hospitality TV. I am your host, Raphael Peterson. And on today's episode, I interview master sommelier, Bobby Stuckey. He is the co-founder of Frasca Food and Wine and Pizzeria Locale and Scarpetta Wine Company. Uh, But for those of us in the industry, kind of all know Bobby as being the beacon for hospitality, especially for sommeliers when we think of hospitality and who's really running it at the top of the game. Bobby Stuckey is one of the first names to come up. He runs the hospitality seminar for advanced sommelier candidates during the advanced sommelier courses provided by the quartermaster Sommeliers, and he's also given TEDx talks on hospitality. So needless to say I was beyond excited to be able to sit down with him and get this interview done for you guys now in this episode we talk about how he got started who has influenced him to create the culture that he now maintains in his restaurants mental health needs in our industry and what it takes to be a professional sommelier so I really hope that you guys enjoy it and if it brings you any value whatsoever please share this with any and all of your friends in or outside the hospitality industry so that they can benefit from it as well Um, lastly Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast either on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you guys consume your podcasts. And of course, to my social media platforms, you can find me there as at Hospitality TV on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. So I hope you enjoy the episode and please let me know what you guys think. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Hospitality TV. Today we are in Del Mar, California with none other than Master Sommelier Bubby Stucky. How are you today, sir? I'm great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, Second time we've gotten to catch up, so I feel honored to
0: get to sit with you again. Yes. So I actually have to reference that quickly because when I first started this channel, I think it was literally the second episode or whatever you want to call it, just a little addition I was going to try to film. And I reached out to you, I think, on Instagram. I think I DM'd you. Yeah. And telling you, you know, hey, I'm trying to do this channel revolving around hospitality and I'd love to interview you one day. And I left my number there, I think, on the message. You literally called me within 10 minutes. Raphael, it's Bobby (laughs) Sucky. What do you need? I'm like, oh, crap. I was driving on the highway. I think I pulled over. (laughs) I was like, oh, man. Okay, um, yeah, I was just, you know, would love to interview you. Right now, I'm doing pretty quick uh, little snippets uh, where I'm filming a question and sending it to somebody, and they can film back the answer. And you were like, yeah, yeah, whatever you need. No problem. I'm going to put you in touch with my assistant, and uh, we'll get it done. And and I look back on that moment, and honestly, it's been... um, It's been something that I reference that keeps me kind of grounded in the sense that you need to try to say yes to people and help people however you can. I was just kind of so shocked in such a positive way that you're such a busy person and I imagine a lot of people are reaching out to you on top of all the things that you do uh, but you are so willing without knowing anything about me to just hop in and help you know with something regarding our industry our industry so thank you for that my pleasure very inspiring uh, but if you would take a moment and just for everybody who's watching would you just tell us who you are uh, and what you're doing and, and maybe you know a couple minutes on how you've gotten to this point in your yeah. career well um, my name is Bobby Stuckey. Um I wear a
1: few different hats, but some of the hats are the same hats I started wearing in 1983 when I was a punk rock, cross country, running uh, kid who got kicked out of Jesuit school. Um, Some of that is still the same. So I started bussing tables uh, fall of 1983, and uh, Monday night I was still bussing tables on the floor. Uh, So (laughs) some things haven't changed much, but then some other things have changed too. You know, I I went down the path of... um, uh, uh, taking the MS or passing the MS um, program uh, about 15, 16 years ago, um, I own a f- I own Frasca Food and Wine in Boulder, Colorado, which is has its 15th birthday next in two weeks. Oh, amazing! Congrats! Which is a really emotional year for us. It feels really uh, exciting to have a restaurant 15 years old and have this cr- crazy energy 15 years in. We also have Pizza Locale. Uh, we have Tavernetta, which is our restaurant in Denver. I ate there quickly a couple oh. months ago. Oh, great! On a, coming know, so. out of a ski trip with a buddy, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. I'm <laughs> very excited. Yeah, and that's a little bit more uh, more casual than Frosco, but really a lo- really fun restaurant to mm-hmm. to be get to work in. That's where I work Friday night this week. And uh, we're going to open a wine bar. Um, we're going to open a wine bar called Sunday Vinyl, right across the front door of Tavernetta in um, this fall. And we also uh, make some wine in Friuli Venezia Giulia called Scarpetta. So that's kind of
0: a couple of the hats that I Mm -hmm. wear. So you've worked at some pretty amazing places though in your career to get to where you are now, right? Yeah, I've had a really,
1: you know, I I think every place I've worked, I've learned something that Mm -hmm. has changed me to who I am. Um, And hopefully we all do that and realize these work experiences can really, you can pull from them 20 years later. But yeah, a f- there's a few places that have really changed me more than anything, and for a myriad of
0: reasons. Can you give us a couple of examples? Yes. Yeah, Maybe so. like a couple, because I know you were at the French Laundry, was a big one, you know, the yeah, little friend. Nell and Aspen, like this is crazy with world-class wine lists, yeah. literally, and and top of the top, and people in our profession who are going there to execute at the highest level, and you know, if one thing I've, you know, more people i talk to who have operated at this level, I feel like always have you know some very cool things to offer as far as like what it was like working side by side You know, even within my own career I know like there's things that I've learned working with certain people that you know we haven't done that in other scenarios yes um, well I'll, maybe I'll go uh, backwards like so I'll go right
1: before Frosca uh, that's where I, I met Lachlan my business partner mm-hmm. uh, chef and business partner I met him at the French laundry so I was at the French laundry um, uh, from 2000 until we opened Frosca in 2004, uh, left there fall of 2003, and um, a lot of who, how I run a restaurant now was what I learned from Thomas Keller and Laura Cunningham. Um, you know, I don't know if people realize how many lives Thomas Keller's lives have changed, meaning. Frosca is Frosca because of things that I learned from Thomas, and now there's employees of mine that their lives get positively changed so much from Thomas. Because we think of Thomas as this great chef who maybe really put American tasting menus into the, the format. But what I think people, unless they work side by side with him, what they didn't know I mean, I wish Thomas would write like a CEO book. Mm-hmm. Like, how did TK get everyone from the dishwasher who was raking the pea gravel parking lot up to the GM all on the same page, not once in a while, every day? You, When you kind of walked onto property you knew why you were there and everyone in between and that's a very doesn't matter if you're running a NBA basketball team or a coach of an NBA basketball team if you're running a tech company a pharmaceutical company or a restaurant very few leaders have the ability to do that and like I always thought that working for Thomas was and people get caught up in the hours you work there mm-hmm. but how you'll never have an easier job meaning you'll never go to work where the whole team is so on the same vision. Mm-hmm. So him getting that vision was amazing, and it changed my life. And he also taught, uh, Lachlan and I, and I hopefully I can teach this to as many employees as possible. He said something once to Lachlan and I, and we have it as a quote. We only have two quotes in the back kitchen at Frosca. One is from a... a um, I say he's the greatest quote machine of all time, but he's also a good marathon runner, Eliud Kipchoge, this Kenyan athlete, and then Thomas Keller. And Thomas taught us something. He said, Bobby, and he, he would say it to everybody, but he would say, treat, when you're working for someone, treat it like it is your own, and someday it will become that. And it's amazing how many times in our career, it doesn't matter if you're a 22 year old, bar back or whatever, you go, oh, later I'll start acting like it's my own or later I'll start acting like a manager but right now I'll just be a goof off Mm -hmm. Thomas got everyone to say hey be professional treat it like it's your own someday it will be it meant so much to me and it still means so much I think I have my own restaurant because he taught me that
0: Mm -hmm. wow that's really special I think um, you know it's interesting to, to apply that philosophy in a place that isn't So high caliber, right? I think that, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but something like a place like yours, like Frosco, like, I don't think you would have a slouch go to apply at Frosco, right? Like you, people are going to go work there because they want to work with the best. They want to work with, you know, yourself. They want to learn about hospitality. They want to work with a world-class wine list. And at the top of the pinnacle when it comes to service, but... Maybe there's more difficulty, and I don't know, I could be wrong, in trying to elevate some place that doesn't have those things yet, that they want to be that, but you're trying to get a staff of people, you know, who maybe you have some people who are working there, they're working there for the money, and they don't necessarily want to go down the path of the quartermasters or they don't yeah. want to work and, you know, go to culinary or, or whatever it may be, whatever side it may be. You know, how do you approach, how do you approach that scenario? Well, that, that is a tough scenario.
1: And we have Frosca and we have Pizza Lokawe, which mm-hmm. is a lot of young kids right. going to college. And, and what I always think is um, look, French Laundry wasn't always French Laundry as we know it, also. Like Thomas had to start somewhere. When he first started the French Laundry and Laura was the GM, those were like kids from Napa, we called Nappans, that were like learning to be world class. Mm-hmm. So he had to go through that too. So I think what you have to do is you have to create an inspiring environment and hopefully that kid that you, you're not thinking of, you gotta think of everyone because you don't know who on your team is a busboy at the pizzeria who's gonna become the wine director at Sorrel totally. in San Francisco, mm-hmm. which is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Like, like one of my employees who's wine director at
0: Sorrel in San Francisco was a kid at the pizzeria. That's so cool. So cool to see that progression. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> so, it, you know, let me mention something here. You talked about um, your busting tables on Monday, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, I think one of the things that I've most um, that I've most admired in you is your longevity on the floor as a sommelier, right? And, you know, I I don't know. I can't speak to other markets, but you know, I've worked in San Francisco a little bit, and, and I've worked in. Obviously, I've been in San Diego almost ten years now. Uh, but what we see a lot of is people moving to different aspects of our industry. They move to the sales side. They become sales reps and, or they become brand ambassadors. And you can't blame anybody, right? You always have to do what's good for you and for your loved ones and for your family, right? You have to take care of those people first and foremost. But I think that sometimes when that happens, you know, we lose these, these valuable players in our industry. Not fully lose them. A lot of these guys are still super active in support groups and tasting groups and things like this. But, you know, they're off the floor now. So it's not somebody that you can go see at their restaurant and see how they operate and go learn from them um, you've managed to do that still you stayed you know in the restaurant part owner so you're an operator as well but you're also in service how have you managed to do that
1: well I am addicted to it still <laughs> um, I love it and I have worked very hard as uh, someone who has 200 employees and has multiple different businesses I have definitely delegated some I've actually delegated some things that would take me off the floor to make sure I'm on the floor as much mm-hmm. and I also feel like it's the spoken word uh, 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 It's kind of like Native Americans would pass down um, oral stories or oral history I think service is something that needs to be done with younger new people with people that have metas. I mean, one of the greatest things at Frasca is Rose Voda, our GM. She started working with, uh, she and I started working together in 1996 at the Little Mill, five days a week. She's a GM that doesn't take an office day. She's the GM of Frosca on that floor. And I always, I, I get goosebumps when I watch her training a young person. And I tell the the young, key, People that work at Frostgate, there's not many dining room floors where there's a Rose Voda, you know, that has that much
0: chops. Mm-hmm. And God, I wish we had more of those around. You know, do you think you instilled a lot of those qualities in her, or is this something that she just brought to the table? Well, I don't want to go on record saying
1: I instilled <laughs> anything in Rose Voda because she's a force of nature, mm-hmm. and I would, I'll probably get written up in my own restaurant from her if I said that. <laughs> but um, Rose, um, I think she and I just are good partner, Mm -hmm. work partners, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, she's the GM, and uh, we promote. She was started there as a server. Mm -hmm. She was the head server at Frasca, and we promoted her a few years ago to GM. And and I think she cares about the craft. Right? Is it easy? No. Look, if you're if you're an emergency room surgeon, right, and you have to miss Friday nights or Saturday nights because you're on call, your loved one might be a little bit upset, but. Their parents aren't going to say, oh, so and so's is sur- an uh, emergency room surgeon. He's going to have to miss a holiday. No one's going to get upset. But for us in the restaurant industry, we don't get any slack. And we all go through it. If you're a waiter, if you're a GM, if you're a sommelier, you're going to miss Fridays and birthdays and holidays. And that's hard on us. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the things that's so hard on in our industry. Rose goes through it. We talk about it. I, we all do. Mm-hmm. Every one of us in the industry works in an industry that one of our loved ones or one of our loved ones' family members is going to hate that you do it, mm-hmm. and that's just a fact of life. And that that cuts down on people who get to do it.
0: Yeah. So it's funny that <clears throat> ties into another question that I had. Um, which is you know so one you've managed to stay in this industry for so long and the part of it that's on the floor and very active and really kind of grinding it out as they would say um, but i think a big part of that and i think this is something that doesn't really get talked a lot about in our industry is the mental health aspect of that right like just the mental game alone us you know you're mentioning right now not not being able to enjoy holidays with your loved ones like that sucks sometimes, especially when they want to enjoy it with you. And not only that, you're you're taking care of people who are enjoying it. You know, you're getting to see this like people who are celebrating and enjoying this amazing experience that you're creating. So it is rewarding there, but there's so many other aspects of this. You know, there's the burnout, right? That people, it's very real. It's very real, especially I mean, in every in every, in every facet of it, not in one or the other. Where there's, you know, there's it's just a very demanding, high stress mm-hmm. job um, that can take a lot out on us and I think it really requires a pretty good you know mental focus to be able to kind of cut through and I can only imagine what it takes for to be able to do it like you're doing it for so long right it's not always um, sunny skies and clear skies I mean there's always there's difficult situations that happen you know a lot I mean there's difficult guests that happen a lot I mean I I know that people probably come to good restaurants like this they want to have a great experience but sometimes it's very difficult to deal and we don't really talk about that a lot either you know the customer service part gets pretty difficult but I guess my question is, you know, to bring it back, you know, how do you how have do you have anything that you kind of go to to keep you grounded when times get a little tough or or something that maybe somebody's, you know, giving you advice on how to stay focused? Yeah. Well, one,
1: let's talk about mental health. Um, you know, we've been around 15 years. We've lost a couple of people in our Frosky family because of either addiction uh addiction or mental health and I really worry about not just our industry, society. We need to learn to be able to better talk about mental health. Like, let's say if I have asthma, I'm going to tell my my co-workers, hey, I have asthma. This is my asthma inhaler. I have to take it. Mm -hmm. No one would think twice about it. Sure. Mental health is just like having to have an asthma inhaler. You know, we, we... People need to be, and we just, as a society, not just Frosk Inc, everywhere, we need to learn to, if people have mental health um, needs, we should be able to talk about it openly. Mm -hmm. Like, we should just be more, and that's going to help things. But society's not there yet. Right. People are afraid to say, hey, I've that bipolar or right. whatever, right. because I'm gonna get judged or maybe my boss won't let me have my job. No, we need to be really open about that. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to do. Uh, society is slow to change on that, there's a lot of stigma, but we need to treat mental health like having an asthma inhaler. So that's the first thing we need to do. We're trying to do it. Um, look, never, if, I, if I need to talk to someone, and I have to go see a therapist, I put on my Google Calendar for all my employees to see. Hey, look, that's what Bobby's doing. Mm-hmm. He's gonna go talk to somebody. Right. So they know if Bobby's gonna put on his Google Calendar for all 200 employees to see,
0: mm-hmm.
1: hey, we can do that. Right. Um, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So I also think the other thing that we need to do in our industry is um, take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, like for me, uh, I try to wake up every morning. Go for a run, go for a bike ride, do something that is scheduled that's not in this industry. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're in the restaurant industry, if you're a surgeon, if you're a professional cyclist, whatever you are in life, if you're whatever you do, an architect, schedule something every day a little bit that's not about your profession so you can get recharged. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't matter what you do, there's gonna be burnout.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, Bobby, can I ask you a little bit about kind of how you run your staff education at the restaurant? Like, um, do you have different... So, what's, something that's been interesting to me is kind of seeing, like, and we've been trying to focus on how do we reach, for example, like a young food runner or a support staff member that's really hungry to learn more, doesn't really have any base yet, and they want to move into a different position versus us teaching some of our captains that are at a more advanced level, um, or even myself... Thinking about how am I trying to how am I keeping my sommeliers um, engaged and keeping them challenged with new information? How do you kind of approach that in your restaurant?
1: Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to get everyone, all your all your senior people on board to understand and embrace and encourage and include the younger busboy or glass polisher this coming because you don't know. I I use this as an example, Dustin. Started as a food runner at Frasca, everything ended up really well for him. Like so, for there's Dustin Wilsons in every restaurant in in America probably. They just need the right environment. Mm -hmm. So you have to encourage the that enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. And I think we have an opportunity now, more so than ever, because now because of the vision of. The, 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 um, the spotlight of hospi- uh, the restaurant business, mm-hmm. a lot of people that historically wouldn't have come into our business are coming in. Kids from Ivy League schools and things like that, that, oh my God, I want to be in the restaurant business. Right. That didn't happen 20 years ago. Well, we need to realize we need to make very uh, inspiring, challenging environments for those people because they are really hungry for knowledge. We got to embrace that and, and focus more than maybe we did 20 years ago to right. inspire these type of they. They have different needs than maybe a blue collar waiter 20 years ago. Um, and then the senior people who have made it through. One of the great ways to keep them inspired is to help have them help you teach other people. Mm-hmm. Because one of the greatest ways to get into something is to delve into something so you can teach. it. Totally. So maybe if you have someone who like really is into Amaro, have him do an Amaro class for the new people. Right. Or, you, or, you know, I've got um, uh, uh, Audrey at, at Tavernetta, she really loves education. Man, let's empower her to do a lot of education. Mm-hmm. Or Carlin um, uh, Carr, our wine director of the company, she might sit down with each restaurant and find people that are really senior people that have something to share and empower them to share. Mm -hmm. So you can get that trickle down.
0: Yeah. Do you do anything with, um, like, any of the back-of-house members? Do you guys do, like, cross-training with, like, wine education classes for them? Well, they're always invited, Mm -hmm. and we try to schedule it so
1: they can do that. Yeah. We also do pre-service. We do almost an hour pre-service every day. Oh,
0: full staff? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay.
1: So there's a lot of chances for, and sometimes the kitchen guys and gals have to get out early because they're behind on prep or something like that. But every day we have a, a pretty in-depth in pre-service. Fifty Mondays a year, we have our Monday night wine flight, where the kitchen guys are there pre-service tasting the wines, just with the uh, with the with the front of the house.
0: Yeah, I miss that. So it's been difficult for especially here in California, as the minimum wage keeps on going up. Labor is such a big thing. Mm. Ten years ago, it wasn't you know it wasn't like that. So a full front of the house pre-shift was the norm, you know, and you can really you can communicate things to everybody all at once uh, and it's a very cohesive message. Now, I mean, we have maybe two people and then they just trickle in and we just need to hunt them down and give them the pre-ship information and as they come in, and it's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult to get that full, you know, full house. 100%, 100%.
1: Yeah, th- there will have to be some sort of breaking point on this whole labor mm-hmm. if we're gonna keep growing positively in our industry. Yeah,
0: so I want to ask you something about, um, you know, kind of just the way that we're educating and the way that wine is being seen. Maybe you can give me, you know, a look into how it's changed for you or what you're noticing. But you know, I want to talk about how, kind of like this. I know you've been you you've talked a lot about natural wine before, and I don't need to go down, you know, uh, um, that path necessarily in that context. But I think it's super super <clears throat> excuse me super interesting to see how. You know, people have embraced this, right, have embraced like the phenomenon, this, this kind of wave of, of a new wine culture almost in the sense it's just something different. And I was thinking about it on the way over here and I wonder if there's, if it's almost a reaction to how sometimes wine can be difficult for the people to, or for people to, to perceive it as just an enjoyable beverage. Um, And without having to learn about it, you know, maybe they get intimidated by there's so much knowledge out there, even with like the presence of so many like advanced master psalms who are like, oh, I don't, I don't know anything about wine. So maybe I can't enjoy it as much. And I think maybe one of the reasons that, you know, natural wines, this kind of movement, if you will, has been so successful is that they've almost taken that out of it. And it's, it's certain producers and as they've, they've made it into a very fun beverage with cool labels and things like this where people almost don't have to think about it because it's just a beverage that I can enjoy and have fun with. Um, do you think that we've, as, you know, wine professionals or educators, that there's some fault of us maybe that falls on us that we've been unable to communicate or not been the best ambassadors of wine to put it in front of more people?
1: Well, um, I, that I don't know, but, you know, what's interesting, um, well, first of all, um, right on the, on the record is I've been a huge fan of great, well-made natural wine mm-hmm. f- for a long time. Mm-hmm. So while I've been openly critical of a movement that um, is not nice to all the guests, mm-hmm. that's what the biggest thing. Right. And and it's interesting. I, I read a study last week, and it caught me off guard. I think that the natural wine movement has a lot of positive... I mean, look, anything that gets us better farming practices, you know, getting Roundup out of Napa Valley this year, that's awesome. All those things are really, really big positives. But sometimes it's a megaphone of a minority, so it seems bigger than it is. Mm -hmm. I didn't know this. I just read a study last week that the generation that we're talking about is actually drinking... Much less wine Than the Gen X did I didn't I didn't know that mm. So maybe It seemed like there's a lot of people coming in But there's actually less of it Yeah. So that concerns me That some people that don't fall into the click Of the Misfits t-shirt And rah 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 Are being left behind right. So that concerns me Because I would think that law of averages we should have so many people into wine right now most people have multiple generational families that had wine around right we should be skyrocketing yeah and i'm concerned that we're not we're actually we we think that a lot of people are getting brought along for the ride but actually we're not yeah
0: so we've got to figure out how do we get the whole bell curve of the people Mm So how do we do that? I mean, if you could send a message out to like, you know, I think that's, it's got to be through some of the people in our industry, like ourselves and other people who almost serve as the, like the person in the middle, right? The ambassadors for wine, bringing it to people. How do, if you wanted to send a message to, you know, to sommeliers or people in this industry, what would you tell them? What's a good approach for that to bridge that gap? I I think two things.
1: I think one thing is to be that we have had such an explosion of wine professional positions. Mm -hmm and I said wine professional positions. If you put your hand up and say, I want a wine professional position, I want to be a sommelier, I want to be a wine buyer, I want to run a retail store. If you put your hand up and you want that, then you have a duty to work really hard to know as as much as possible. Whatever it pushes you to know, Mm -hmm. so when any type of guest comes in, doesn't matter if they're a 55-year-old person that Um, has been collecting Burgundy for 20 years or someone that's just found Chenin Blanc last month we need to be able to talk to all of them on the same bell curve Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing I think we're getting so into I only want to talk to people about my niche Mm -hmm. and people are are falling away that are getting we're having a reverse inclusiveness where it should be really inclusive Mm -hmm.
0: I agree. Well, Bobby, I can't think for your time. I think we're going to wrap Thanks up so there. Much. Thank you so much. I Thank appreciate you. you. Thank you so much. And guys, just to wrap up, don't forget to follow Hospitality TV. We're on Instagram and Facebook where we'll chop up these videos. And we're live on the podcast on Spotify and on iTunes. Go follow us. Thank you.